Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Rev. P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series, Faith is the Victory, with Part 8, this week's message entitled, Impatience. If you have your Bible, please turn to our text for today, Genesis 16, verses 1 through 6. Now, here is our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Father, we pray that you help us to trust in you, even as your son, the holy servant, the suffering servant, Jesus, trusted in you. We are prone to doubt. We are prone to question your sovereign actions in behalf of us. We are prone to become impatient. We become short-tempered and restless. We are a people who are tempted to lean on to our own understanding. And we are a people who may even dare to counsel you as how you should do your affairs. Teach us, O Lord, to trust you, to be patient in all our trials, that we may learn how good you are to us that we may learn to be patient. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Impatience is a danger to true faith. And I think every one of us will confess that we are prone to be impatient. We are in a hurry. and Things are not going the way we want them to go. And so we get angry, frustrated, Impatient, restless, and we turn to our own way. Impatience is the opposite of patience and is corrosive to true faith. An impatient man says, my will be done, no matter what. The patient man says, not my will, but thy will be done. A patient man says, I'm God's servant. An impatient man says, God is my servant. A patient man is clothed with humility. An impatient man is arrogant. A patient man is a disciple who denies himself daily and takes up his cross to follow Jesus. An impatient man is restless and short of temper. A patient man bears pains and trials calmly and without complaint. He is steadfast despite opposition, difficulty, and adversity. Impatience, let me tell you, is a work of the flesh, while patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. God is able to sanctify an impatient man. How? By causing him to experience tribulations, which we are told produce patience. Impatient man is in a hurry and expects everything go his way. But God is never in a hurry and he expects his disciples to follow him. He ought to be still before the Lord without fretting. He ought to wait patiently for his instruction and direction. 
St. Paul tells us we are to be patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Paul says in Galatians 6, Let us not become weary in well-doing, for at the proper time, which is God's appointed time, not your time, at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Impatience gives up. Impatient man becomes weary. In 1 Corinthians 15 we read this, Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The writer to the Hebrews tells us in chapter 10, you need to persevere, that is to be patient. That means to endure affliction. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And Jesus said, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Hear the word. Retain the word. And by patience, perseverance, produce a good fruit. No patience means no good crop. Such a person is fruitless and worthless. I want to speak about this impatience and illustrating it through the lives of seven people first of course is Abraham he's called the father of all believers and he was 75 and Sarah I was 65 when God called him out of Mesopotamia they we are told in obedience left their country kindred and father's house and arrived in Canaan. The Bible says in Genesis 11 and verse 30, Sarai was barren. And Genesis 12 verse 7, God promised to give the land of Canaan to his offspring. And Genesis 13, he confirmed it to give the land to his offspring. Genesis 15, the Lord promised that he will have a son coming from his own body. And he will have a multitude of children. Like the stars. That cannot be counted. And we are told Abraham believed God. And then you come to chapter 16. And here we see Abram and Sarai becoming impatient. And acting in unbelief. They did not wait for God's time. They have been married now for over 60 years, yet no child. And Sarai is determined to build for herself a family through her maidservant Hagar. She has yet to learn unless the Lord builds the house. Those who build labor in vain. For God's time to come, they had to wait another 15 more years. Their bodies had to become as good as dead. God had planned to perform a miracle in the lives of both. To give them the son of promise. And our God is one who gives life to the dead. And he glories in doing so. Sarai was impatient. 
if God refuses to build her a family through her, she will take matters into her own hands and build for herself a family through Hagar. Such a plan was culturally correct. It was customary. It was legal. And it was reasonable. Though not the will of God. Sarai is angry. She is frustrated. Time is going. She is impatient. She must act now or never. She like Eve was a forerunner of feminism. She took leadership. She functioned as the head telling the tale Abraham what to do. You remember this Abram sometime before defeated four kings. But now he lost his leadership and courage. He became a man of unbelief. He became submissive and obedient to his wife. He sinned against God's perfect will of monogamy. He who defeated four kings was defeated by his own wife. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, not some of your ways. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. He'll solve your problems. Both Sarai and Abram leaned on to trusted in their own understanding they became impatient they would not trust God's promise they would not wait for God's time and God's miracle they would trust in the flesh of self-effort and not on pure grace my question is why did not the God of glory intervene and stop them from doing such deed of sin and unbelief. He, inter he intervened in their lives before. He stopped Pharaoh from engaging in sexual relationship with Syria. He stopped Abimelech from engaging in sexual relationship with Syria. God could have stopped them. But he did not. This is a terrible truth. God permits us to do our own things. And he permits us to reap a harvest of griefs. They got Ishmael. They also got pains and unhappiness at least for more than 16 years. When we are impatient, when we refuse to believe in God's promise, when we will not patiently wait for God, when we lean on to our own understanding, we sow wind and reap whirlwind of misery and confusion. Abram could have inquired of the Lord when his wife told him to do this fleshly action. There was a way to approach the holy God at that time. But the tragedy is he did not. Just like Adam did not consult with God when his wife gave him the forbidden fruit to eat. There are times we don't want to pray because we have made up our mind to do what we want. 
But God does not change his plan and go along with ours. In due time, when Abram was 100 and Sarah was 90, Isaac was born as God promised. And Ishmael was driven out of the house. Years of pain, years of waste, years of misery, years of agony. When we become impatient and do whatever we want to do. It was God's eternal plan that barren Sarah conceive at age 90 and give birth to Isaac, the son of promise. It was God's plan that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, be his descendant and in him all the families of the earth be blessed. Sarah was trying to provide God a way of fulfilling his promise. You see, God ran out of ways and here her mind is still working. God does not need our counsel. He is the wonderful counselor. We are to hear and do his counsel for our eternal and present consolation. Second is Jacob. Before Esau and Jacob were born, the Lord revealed to Rebekah, the older Esau will serve the younger Jacob. This was God's promise to Jacob. He is the son of promise, not Esau. He was told of it by his mother. And I'm sure Isaac was aware of this great plan of God. Yet notice, Jacob refuses to act in faith. He refuses to wait for God to bring about the fulfillment of this promise. He's a crook. He buys the birthright of his brother shrewdly for a cup of soup. When his brother was totally famished, he closed the deal. He joins with his mother in deceiving his father in obtaining his blessing. He would get God's blessing by hook or by crook. He would not rely on God's ability to fulfill his gracious promise. He would not wait. He would lean on to his own understanding. Yet, the terrible truth is, God did not interfere. He let this deception happen. He permits us to do our own thing. But such deeds of the flesh will surely lead to great pain and anguish. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. What you sow, that you will reap. Jacob reaped a lot of griefs and sorrows. He was deceived many times over by his uncle Laban. He experienced severe family troubles. The angel of the Lord confronted him and made him a lame person. His beloved wife Rachel died in childbirth. He lived in grief for many years in the certain knowledge that his son Joseph had been killed by a wild animal. The way of impatience is the way of pain. The way of impatience is not the way of faith. The way of patience is the way of faith. And let me tell you, the only way we can become patient is through the way of afflictions which our sovereign Lord brings about in our lives without consulting with us. Third, Moses. Now you may think that he came down from the presence of God and remember he took the stone tablets 
containing the Ten Commandments. He threw it. He broke it. But God doesn't blame him for that. It was not an act of impatience. It was a dramatic act of the life of the people who broke the commandments. So I'm not speaking about that. We are told in the scripture concerning the character of Moses in Numbers 12. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. It is true, when anyone sees God in some degree of glory, he would be humble, very humble. And this was truly the experience of Moses. Yet even this most humble Moses became impatient and reckless. This should serve as a warning to every one of us. The people again, as usual, murmured for lack of water. Numbers 20. Then the Lord told Moses, take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community, so that they and their livestock can drink. At a previous time, in Exodus 17, when there was lack of water, the Lord directed Moses to strike the rock with the staff, the rock upon which the Lord was standing. Moses did so and water gushed out. This time, he was to take the staff and speak to the rock. Instead, he lost his temper. He lost God consciousness. He struck the rock twice, we are told, saying, listen, you rebel, must we bring water out of the rock and yet water gushed out the community drank had he in faith spoken to the rock God would have received glory by striking twice the rock Moses and Aaron received glory for themselves so the Lord said because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites you will not bring this community into the land I give them. So Aaron died at Mount Hor. And Moses too died out at Mount Nebo. But listen to this statement. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 32 beginning with verse 50. What impatience can do. It gives you pain. And here it is. There on the mountain that you have climbed, you will die. And be gathered to your people just as your brother Aaron died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. And now is given the reason in verse 51. This is because both of you broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Meribah, Kadesh in the desert of Zin, and because you did not uphold the, my holiness among the Israelites. Prevented from entering to the promised land. Severe pain. Severe punishment for impatience and acts of unbelief. I said impatience is the opposite of faith. Impatience robs us of great spiritual blessings. And impatience is the mother of many griefs. Number four is Joshua. Joshua chapter 9. 
Even Joshua became impatient and unbelieving. The scripture directed him clearly what he should do to the native people of Canaan. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 7. There was clear direction. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations, large and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. And you read the same thing in Deuteronomy 20, 16 through 18. At least two times we are told very clearly what should be the plan of action with the natives in Canaan. Yet Joshua failed to trust this directional word. He was deceived by the Gibeonites who were natives, also called Hevites, natives of Canaan. They were people to be put to death and shown no mercy by divine direction. Because the iniquity of these people was full. They were to be totally destroyed. But Joshua and elders were fooled by their old sacks, mended wineskins, patched sandals, threadbare clothing, dry crumbled bread, and their continuous plea for a treaty as with people of a distant land. They tasted their bread, which is a covenant sign. They entered into a treaty with them over against divine direction. They were impatient. They did not examine the scriptures. Above all, they did not inquire of the Lord through the priest. There was a way to find out the mind of the Lord. And they refused. We become mad and crazy in our head. Bent on doing what is displeasing to God in our impatience. If only we stopped and asked the Lord. If only we came and talked to the pastor, the elders, or somebody. Is this the right thing to do? The Gibeonites became thorns in the side of the Israelites. The impatient man ignores the word of God. The impatient man walks by sight and taste. And not by faith. The impatient man surely suffers grievous pain. So church, beware of impatience. The man of God shall not make haste. Number five is Saul. In 1 Samuel 10 verse 8. The prophet Samuel had instructed Saul to go down to Gilgal and wait there seven days until Samuel came to him to do two things. To offer sacrifices and to give him instructions governing the battle against the Philistines. God's direction. The Philistines were gathering, the Israelites were scattering, Saul was panicking pressures of circumstances so he in violation of Samuel's instructions refuses to wait and incurs divine wrath he lost his kingdom and he lost his sanity he was left without instructions for the war Samuel left him alone 
what a tragedy when we make decisions based on circumstances not on Christ's word what tragedy when we don't wait on God we incur curse of God God leaves us we are left alone to our own devices number 6 is name it and you read in second kings chapter 5 about this man here comes naaman a great syrian general and yet a leper here comes the general to israel to be healed by prophet elisha and the prophet elisha preached the gospel to him of course naaman came to buy salvation with 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold and 10 rolls of latest clothing he has yet to learn that salvation is by grace through faith it cannot be bought the only requirement is you must confess your sin and believe in the gospel to be saved so the gospel came to him from the lips of elisha go down to the dirty river called jordan not the rivers of syria abana and farpar wash yourself seven times and you will be healed completely that's the gospel he refused to believe the gospel he turned and went off in a rage we are told and saint paul tells us the gospel is foolishness to the greeks and i would say as well as to the syrians and the indians and everybody else because it is simple it's not in keeping with all the wisdoms of the world it is simple it demands faith total faith demands total and implicit obedience in his impatience he almost lost his healing and eternal salvation yet he was persuaded to believe the gospel by his humble servants by rational arguments and he went down to jordan he washed himself seven times he was completely healed and saved he became a believer in the god of elisha the god of israel what must i do to be saved the simple answer believe on the lord jesus christ and you shall be saved and your household impatience damns and faith and faith alone in the gospel saves us and finally jonah the prophet jonah refused to believe god's plan of salvation for the sinful ninevites he would rather die than ninevites receive forgiveness of sins and be spared from destruction and you know the story at his own request he was thrown overboard and he was saved by a large fish he eventually came to Nineveh and prophesied their destruction for 40 days and waited to see their complete destruction to his glorious enjoyment but contrary to his expectation Nineveh repented and God saved them and spared them this made Jonah angry and impatient he would still rather die than see the Ninevites saved and he told to the lord to his face i'm angry enough to die and i have a right to be angry he said god asked do you have a right to be angry i have a right to be angry 
When our plan conflicts with God's plan, we become angry and impatient. God and man are incompatible and God does not change. So man must change. May God help us to change. May he help us to surrender our plan to God's plan. May God help us in humility to believe God and be saved. Now take a look at Jesus. The only patient one on the face of the earth. Isaiah calls him the suffering servant. St. Peter calls him in the book of Acts. Thy holy servant Jesus. And see how he dealt with temptation. He was hungry after 40 days of fast. And he was tempted to make bread out of stone. And this is the reply he gave to Satan. It is written that man should not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I am a believer. I am a son. Who always does the will of my father. John 8 verse 29. He says. I always. He always pleased the father. Not sometimes, always. In John 11, we read about the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And the sisters of Lazarus sent messengers to Jesus. Your friend, Lazarus, is sick. Come immediately. He needs you. Heal him. And we are told he stayed there two more days. You ask why. Let me tell you why. His father didn't want him to go right now. His father's will was to arrive there on the fourth day after his burial. In Luke 22 and verse 22 on Gethsemane, Jesus cried out, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And we are told... In Philippians, he humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. Turn with me to Isaiah. And let me show you a secret of Christian life. It is revealed there, Isaiah 40, beginning with verse 28. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary, and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait, those who hope, those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those who wait on the Lord. As a servant. As humble. As obedient person. As one who is committed to knowing and doing the will of God. Turn with me to... The book of Numbers, let me read this to you. Very important passage. So much repetition because of the significance of guidance. Numbers chapter 9. 
the solution to impatience is being led by God. Being obedient to God's leading. And so we read, beginning with verse 15, On the day the tabernacle, the tent of testimony, was set up, the cloud covered it from evening till morning. The cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Whenever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. And you read on. There is so much repetition about this business. The cloud lifted. They set out. The cloud settled. They encamped. Even it is for two days, or one day, or many years. The idea is that Christian people are directed and led by God. Romans 8 verse 14, as many as are being led by the Spirit of God, they and they alone are the sons of God. There is a practical illustration of this guidance in the book of Acts chapter 16. And let me read to you Acts 16 and beginning with verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit. That means having been prevented by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit guides us from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia to preach the gospel. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. The same idea of guidance. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So there is guidance. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Wait for him. It is his business to guide you in those steps. Don't panic. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't try to counsel God. He is aware of all situations. May God help us to believe him may he help us to be patient may God help us not to make decisions based on circumstantial pressures may God help us to be led by the Holy Spirit the Holy Scripture and the Holy Church let me read this poem by Norman L. Trott no time for God what fools we are to clutter up our lives with common things and live without heart's gate that's outside of heart's gate the Lord of life and life itself our God no time for God as soon as to say no time to eat or sleep or love or die take time for God or you shall dwarf your soul and when the angel death comes knocking at your door, a poor misshapen thing you will be to step into eternity. No time for God. That day when sickness comes or trouble finds you out, 
and you cry out for God, will he have time for you? No time for God. Someday you will lay aside this mortal self and make your way to worlds unknown. And when you meet him face to face, will he, should he, have time for you? This has been part eight of the sermon series entitled Faith is the Victory. Come back again soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Rev. P.G. Matthew.